0: Bites, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 27. Thanks for being here. Ooh, the lolly, we're rolling through these episodes, aren't we? 27 of these things we've done. Those of you who have hung in there for this long, you should get some sort of merit badge or something. For all I know, this is some sort of thing that you get a merit badge for. I'm still waiting for mine. Anyway, what's new out there in the world? In news this week... The schedule's all screwed up for production of Atari Bytes. This is a rare Monday night recording. That's pretty early in the week for me to do this. But I've got some travel and other commitments later in the week, so I'm trying to stuff this in so that I can get an episode recorded and edited and out to you in a timely manner. Because I know that you all plan your weeks around the arrival of a brand new Atari Bytes on Sunday morning. Some people enjoy brunch. Some perhaps enjoy reflection on a nature hike. Some maybe attend the church or other house of worship of their choice. You all wait for this podcast to drop, and I recognize my commitment to you. So, here we are. We're going to get this done. In other news, ah, time for an Atari movie update. If you recall, Atari announced back in May that it had teamed up with a film production company to create Centipede and Missile Command-based movies. And they are said to now be in development on those movies. I announced a long time ago that, if asked, I would be available to write one or both of said movies. I am myself a writer. I wrote a novel some years ago called In the Saint Nick of Time. I have written a number of play strips that have been performed for the stage. I have written short stories. I have written blogs. I host a podcast where I make up an Atari-based story every single week. And I have made it quite clear to Atari that I am ready and willing to step in to write these movies. So, I am pleased to announce today that, yeah, I haven't heard anything. So, get on this, people. Keep writing those tweets and sending those boxes of fine chocolates to anyone with the name Atari. I'm pretty sure that's how this works. You know, send it to Miss Atari, P.O. Box, Atari Land, and then write on top of the chocolate box, that you need to hire the Atari Bytes guy to write their movie. And I'm sure that will take care of it. So, I'll be waiting. In other news, as you're listening to this episode, the universe has become a safe place again. How do I know this? Because the Enterprise is back in orbit. That's right, another Star Trek movie is upon us. Star Trek Beyond dropped out of warp to um, orbit theaters on July 22nd, and peace and harmony have been restored to the universe because... When Star Trek's around, all is right with the world. I have always been a fan of Star Trek, I guess. Although I've never, probably would never have really called myself a Trekkie, or a trekker or a fanatic, I guess. Star Trek has always been a pop culture presence for me, but never a a focal point. As a little kid, I remember the reruns of the original series being on like Sunday afternoons, and I like to watch those. In my teens is when Star Trek The Next Generation hit, and like a lot of people my age, and probably a lot of you listening to this show, Star Trek The Next Generation was my Star Trek, and I continued on with uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and not so much with Enterprise. Not really because of the show itself, although I've heard not-so-good things about the show itself, but at that point, I was busy doing other stuff, and I really wasn't sitting down watching a lot of TV anyway, and I just never really got into Enterprise. I watched all the movies, the original cast movies and the next generation movies liked them all even the ones that really weren't very good there was stuff i liked in them so star Trek's always been a thing i've mentioned many times on the show that i'm a doctor who fan as far as pop culture sci-fi stuff goes doctor who is probably more of my fanatical type fandom but star trek has always been a well respected and enjoyed thing for me what about star trek games you ask well this is a an atari game podcast so i suppose it's appropriate to talk about the games um i've always liked the idea of star trek games but there haven't been all that many that I've actually really gotten into. So, without further ado, with that dubious introduction, it's time to unveil this week's game. This week's game is... Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator, Brought to us by Sega in 1983. Already, as I look in the manual, I'm perhaps not as excited as I could be, because it's got Strategic Operations Simulator right there in the name of the game. But let's look at the manual and see what we have. We're looking at the cover. Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator, official arcade version. I'm not really sure what, in effect, that actually means. I'm guessing this was taken from an arcade game? I don't know. I don't remember ever seeing a Star Trek game in an arcade, other than maybe like a pinball machine or something. But I'm sure someone out there can tell me whether or not this ever existed as a coin-operated arcade game. So you're looking at the cover, you see two Klingons looking out, looking maybe on a view screen at phasers blasting the Enterprise. So it gives you a nice little summary of what what you're in for. I guess the artwork is okay. The Klingons don't look so much like Klingons as they do bald-headed guys with some sort of scalp condition, frankly. But no matter. I know what they're supposed to be. So I open the manual, and it tells me, You are the potential captain of the USS Enterprise. Your training mission? Save the Federation from their most powerful enemy. The Klingons? No. The Romulans? No. That thing that stole Spock's brain? No. The most powerful enemy of the Federation is... The board! Oh, sorry, wait, that's a couple series uh, down the road. No, no. The most powerful enemy of the Federation, according to the manual, is... Nomad. Alright, so the next paragraph's gonna be telling us what Nomad is, right? No. Next, they tell us there are six rounds of action-packed adventure. Fight off the marauding Klingons, ah, there's the Klingons, and menacing antimatter saucers. The accent an antimatter saucer. Anyway, destroy them before they destroy you or they would deplete your strategy training units. That sounds painful. Dock with your star bases to replenish your weapons and repair your damages. The longer you survive, the more space dangers you'll encounter. Space danger! That's what they called me in college. Maneuver through perilous fields of asteroids and blazing meteors. STORE YOUR ENERGY! SHARPEN YOUR NAVIGATIONAL SKILLS! PREPARE FOR THE ULTIMATE CHALLENGE! DESTROY THE DEADLY MIND-LAYING NOMAD! They've got NOMAD in all capital letters. I think the exclamation point at that point is sort of superfluous. If you're successful, proceed deeper into space for more Star Trek action. Ten different skill levels of unparalleled adventure. Ten? Spoiler, I've barely seen like two skill levels. Anyway, do you dare to venture where no video game has gone before? Be brave, be bold, be daring, but beware. Wow, they are really psyched about this action-packed adventure. Scoring. No, this is not Captain Turt's guide to a woman in every port. This is how you get points in the game. Strategy training units equal points. Destroy Klingon cruiser, 100 STUs. Colliding with Klingon, 100 STUs. So apparently you can destroy the Klingons just by smashing into them. Destroy antimatter Saucer, 5,000 STUs. Each remaining Green Star Base, not docked with, 2,000 to 50,000 STUs. And then there's some other scoring breakdown for Star Bases. That's a little confusing depending on which sector you're in. Sector 1, 2, 3, or 4. Each remaining Blue Star Base, 500 STUs. Destruction of Nomad, 30,000 STUs. Using your controllers. The Star Trek controls are key to your survival in space. A combat panel is included that fits over the joystick to familiarize you with Star Trek controls. Hey, time out. What the heck's a combat panel? So, a little peek behind the curtain here. I bought this cartridge off of eBay, and it came with a manual. Everything came fine. It's in perfectly good shape. Game works great. manual isn't ripped or wrinkled. It's in pretty good shape. No complaints there. But where the heck, anonymous eBay seller, is my control panel? There's no control panel in here. I was completely lost. The Enterprise was destroyed because of you, anonymous eBay seller person. Ugh. Okay, I'm over it. Enterprise navigation. Pushing the joystick forward moves the Enterprise in whatever direction it's positioned. Pushing the joystick left moves you, rotates the Enterprise counterclockwise. Pushing the joystick 45 degrees left rotates the Enterprise counterclockwise and thrusts it in that, that direction. Pushing the joystick right rotates the enterprise clockwise. Pushing the joystick forty five degrees right rotates the enterprise clockwise and thrusts it in that direction. So basically, when I go left, you push to the left. When to go right, you push to the right. Depressing the fire button while pulling the joystick back engages the enterprise warp drive function to high speed maneuverability. Okay, so maybe I don't really need a control panel for this. I am sorry, anonymous eBay seller person. How to play? The object of the game is to destroy Nomad before other enemies and obstacles destroy you. You're at the helm of the USS Enterprise. The screen is divided into three sections. Each one shows you vital mission data. Upper left are your gages, energy shield, photon, torpedo, warp drive. Upper right is your radar scanner. Basically, you can see the Enterprise and whatever ships are surrounding it. And the bottom half of the screen, more or less, is your viewer with your targeting scope And you can see when a ship is locked on target so that you can fire your phasers. The gauges track your score, the energy shields, warp drives, photon torpedoes, which you operate by pulling the joystick back and then just sort of ramming into your whatever you want to hit. That was hard to get used to because you don't actually shoot anything with a photon torpedo, you crash into it. Warp drives activated by pushing the red fire button while pulling back the joystick to gain high speed maneuverability. The energy shields activate automatically, protect the Enterprise from enemy fire and damage. Phasers, activate unlimited number to destroy only one enemy at a time by pushing fire button. Radar Scanners, your overhead view of the battle zone, shows you the position of the Enterprise in your starbase while it maps the constantly changing location of obstacles and enemies. Viewer simulates a 3D view of the enemy and obstacle, obstacle encounters, it's the view from the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. I don't know about the simulated 3D view but you can see what's out there, I guess. Shield Force Indicator. The band at the bottom of your screen changes color, alerting you to the status of your energy shields. Yellow, three or more shields available. Orange, two shields in operation. Light red, one shield remaining. Dark red, alert! Starship defenses down. Gameplay! Now you are ready to play Star Trek. The game is divided into ten sectors, different skill levels. Each sector has six different rounds. Klingon encounter, Klingon encounter, Asteroid Field or Meteor Shower, Klingon counter, Klingon Encounter, Nomad. Those are the six rounds in each sector. Guide the Enterprise safely through a round of play and you automatically enter the next one. After surviving all six rounds in a sector, you automatically move to the next. As you advance, your enemies become more aggressive and dangerous and your victories more rewarding. Klingon enc- Encounters. In your quest to destroy Nomad, you must first survive the attacks of the Klingon Battlecruisers and antimatter saucers. The enemy vessels have the following characteristics. The red Klingons ignore the Enterprise but try to destroy the Starbases. If a red Klingon destroys a Starbase, it turns white and sets out to ram the Enterprise. That hardly seems fair. The purple Klingons seek to destroy the Enterprise with plasma energy orbs. I don't remember that being a Klingon thing. Anyway, they will keep enough distance from the Enterprise to avoid collision while attacking. When red Klingons turn white, purple Klingons also turn white and try to ram the Enterprise because apparently purple Klingons can't think for themselves. Shame on you, purple Klingons. Yellow antimatter saucers appear randomly. If the saucer collides with the Enterprise, it attaches itself to the ship and drains all warp drive energy. All defenses and weapons are available for use during Klingon encounters. If you dock with green star bases by flying into them, damage to the Enterprise is repaired. An energy shield, a photon, torpedo, and warp drive unit are added to your starship's armory if needed. You may dock with a starbase only once in each round. After docking, the starbase changes from green to blue. You know what? Now that I look at this, I think that some of the times when I was trying to dock with a starbase, I was actually docking with a yellow antimatter saucer. That would explain an awful lot about my performance. Asteroid fields, meteor showers. After surviving two rounds of Klingon encounters and random attacks from antimatter saucers, or, you know, walking right up to them and saying hi, your starship must maneuver through asteroid fields or meteor showers. Honestly, I can't tell the difference between them. You have to do that to seek out star bases. Asteroids and meteors move across your stream from left to right faster than the Enterprise. Replenish your supplies as you prepare for your ultimate challenge. Nomad is your greatest danger. His destruction... Why is it a he? Or a she, for that matter? I'll get into why I'm saying that later. His destruction is your greatest victory. You must hunt down and destroy Nomad while avoiding its deadly missiles and the mines it lays in your path. If you strike a mine, or... A mine, or are hit by one of nomad's missiles, your supplies are depleted. Skillful maneuvering and rapid fire of your phasers isn't the key to your success. Wait, strike that. Skillful maneuvering and rapid fire fire of your phasers are the key to your success. If you destroy Nomad, the string flashes a spectrum of colors and you receive maximum bonus points. Your starship advances to the first round of the next, more difficult sector. Remember, your success means safety for the federation. Strategic tips. After playing Star Trek several times, you'll discover which techniques work best for you. Here are some tips you will find helpful in your mission. The Klingon Encounter. Keep the Enterprise moving. Klingons can't easily destroy a moving target. Store up photon torpedoes for later sectors. When enemy Klingons are more numerous, learn how to get Klingons to pursue the Enterprise in a line, and easily destroy them with one photon blast. I have no idea how you do that. The antimatter Saucer. It always moves away from the Enterprise. To destroy it, make a swift about-face... And fire away your star bases dock with your star base in early rounds to build supplies for more difficult rounds try not to dock in later rounds for increased bonus stus not sure why that is asteroid field meteor shower you can only use your enterprise steering controls wind your way through obstacles by lightly moving the joystick left or right to turn and immediately let enterprise center itself only for wide sweeping turns should you hold the joystick left or right During this round, replenish enterprise supplies and prepare for Nomad. Nomad. Be patient. Observe Nomad's movements. Nomad has a tendency to place mines in a cluster. Steer carefully towards the mines to track Nomad. Avoid hitting or shooting mines. They will explode and deplete your your supplies. Effective use of warp drive can allow you to position yourself near Nomad. That's all the instructions. I just want to mention that at the end of the manual, it has a coming soon section. That includes Congo Bongo, and Buck Rogers, Planet of Zoom. I didn't know either of these things existed as an Atari game, but I want them now. Alright, so anyway, that's Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator. Now, you're all sitting there thinking, That's all great, Bill, but why do I want to destroy this Nomad chap? I'm sure he's a fine fellow. Well, you're wrong. A true Star Trek fan knows particularly if he's a Star Trek fan with access to the website Memory Alpha, knows that in Star Trek, the original series episode, The Changeling, Nomad, was a rogue space probe launched in the early 21st century that merges with an alien probe and goes on a rampage to destroy any imperfect beings, which they define as more or less anything that's alive. Finally, in the 23rd century, Captain Kirk and crew come upon Nomad and Kirk being clever, convinces Nomad to destroy itself after it mistakes him for its creator, Jackson Roykirk. This Star Trek moment was brought to you by Memory Alpha, where Star Trek nerds go to reinforce their nerdiness. Thanks, Memory Alpha. So, the first time Nomad showed up, it took Starfleet's most cunning captain to defeat it. This time, according to the manual, Starfleet is sending out a trainee. Budget cuts hurt, man. Especially in a society that doesn't have any money. So, After the break, we boldly go where I've only gone a few times before. See what happens. Captain's log. About five minutes after the last time Sulu asked Are we in there yet? Man, that guy's whiny. Anyway, I've just been promoted to captain in training. Yahoo! So, I got to put on a yellow shirt. Well, actually, I got one of Captain Kirk's ripped up hand-me-downs. That guy goes through shirts like crazy. So, I loaned my red shirt to my roommate. and Weirdly, he hasn't come back to return it yet. Anyway, before they'll give you the keys to the Enterprise, you have to go through the simulator training. I know. Big waste of time, if you ask me. I mean, I got onto the ship, didn't I? Clearly, I know my way around. So, let's just give this a try and see what happens. So, I'm looking. I'm firing at nothing. Hey, you're shooting at me. Got him. Now, I zoom off to another sector. Top left of my screen, I see the uh, status report for all my systems. Phasers and photons and shields and stuff. I know I need to get to a Starbase. But this asteroid field is hard to maneuver through, and do you see a Starbase around? They're trying to find a gas station after you drink the 48-ounce gulf on the highway. Well, I'm trying. Oh, Starbase. Yeah, hope they have a Starbucks. Uh, um, yes. Got you, Klingon. I like that the... Uh, targeting the the site for the phaser lock is the biggest part of the screen so you can actually see what you're doing. When I was reading the manual at first, I just zoomed off to another part of the galaxy. Now that would be a little confusing to know what you were supposed to shoot at. But it turns out, really, you just shoot at everything once they get in your sights. Except Starbase which is just a big yellow square. I have no functioning anything except impulse power, I guess? Oh! I've just been blasted into oblivion. Live long and prosper. Unless you're on my ship, I guess. My bad. Back to you in the studio. Alright, so, in my defense, poor performance in the field report notwithstanding, Earlier tonight when I was playing this game, I totally obliterated Nomad. Honest, I did. I had the bright colors and everything. Unfortunately, only the cat and the goldfish saw it. The fish isn't talking because it's mad I forgot to feed it tonight. And the cat isn't talking because... You're not supposed to say this, but sometimes cats are jerks. And basically cats don't do anything they don't want to do. But I really did beat Nomad. I swear. Okay, so the gameplay. This game is fine, I guess the gameplay is based on the wonky part of star trek right star trek is well compared to like doctor who which is a science fantasy show they the science on doctor who to the extent there is any doesn't make any pretense of being based in reality they just make it up for whatever fits the story and you you go into it knowing that star trek has always been sort of pseudo sciency Maybe not so much the original series, but certainly Next Generation on forward. It's still fantasy, but it's it's sort of a hard science-based science fiction. The games that have arisen out of the Star Trek universe have tended to focus on not so much on the sciencey part, not so much on the character part, but more on the occasional military space battle type stuff that Star Trek does. And that's all good stuff. But, frankly, especially with the TV show, the space battle parts, except maybe sometimes like fighting the board or something, always sort of seemed like the weakest part. They never had the budget or the time to really do a big space battle, right? And it just never grabbed me that much. The big screen, you could do a little better, but not so much on the TV show. And I always relied on the TV show to be more like character pieces. You know, get to know who... get to see the relationship between... McCoy and Turk and Spock, or how the bridge crew works together on their, on Next Generation or whatever. And I always gravitated toward whatever few games in the Star Trek universe. Still had some space battles. You still want to you know fight with some Klingon warbirds, but you want to have that character part. And you know games like Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator just don't have that. They're really just about Um, how many photon torpedoes you have, and maneuvering your ship through a sector of space to chase down the Klingon Warbird. I mean, that's all fine, but I, I really felt the absence of the character part. You know, that aside, take the game for what it is. The gameplay itself, anytime you have a game with split screens like that, where there's three different things, three different parts of the screen that you have to look at all at the same time, it's inherently complicated, especially when what you're seeing is obscured by the limitations of 1980s graphics. Nothing on the screen in, a, in the Star Trek game is really identifiable as Star Trek or really as anything in particular other than what we're told it is. The Enterprise does kinda look like the Enterprise, but mostly because you're told that's what it is. Although, in fairness, I think if you put some random icons from an Atari game up on a screen and said which one's the Enterprise, you could pick it out. Or even if you didn't say that, if you said, what are these icons? You know, you could probably make it, oh, okay, that one looks like the Enterprise. Nothing else on the screen looks like anything. Starbase doesn't look like anything, just a square. The Warbirds are kind of bird-like, I guess. So, the poor graphics make it a little confusing. The split screen makes it a little confusing. It helps, ironically, in this sen- the, the fact that you just shoot at everything helps a little bit because it doesn't really matter what it is, you don't have to identify it. You just know you got to shoot it. So that's good. I thought trying to figure out when you're doing warp drive or not not was a little confusing, but it wasn't. It it didn't stop the game. You could still get by, even not knowing for sure when you were going to warp drive or not. Bottom line, you know, trying to look at this as, you know, this isn't necessarily the game for me, but the game is probably okay. So I think exciting. It's not going to be one of my go-to games. Some of you might feel differently. But the gameplay is just, meh, for me. Although I will say, it was kind of a thrill to get Nomad earlier tonight. Which I totally did, I swear. But Bill, you say? What about the story? The story, Bill? For God's sakes, man. Give us the good stuff. We'll beam down to the surface of Planet Story, friends. Here we'll mine for the five story elements. Also dilithium crystals. And Cheetos. We're running low on Cheetos. The five elements of a story, of course, are... The introduction... Where things kick off, stories story sets up, we find out who the characters are, what the setting is, maybe a little bit about the stakes. Then we have the rising action, where things are starting to happen, events are in motion, things are conspiring to push us towards the climax of the game. The climax being, of course, the peak, the big confrontation, the big showdown, the pivotal point of the story. Falling action is the fallout. The ramifications from that climax. The stuff that happens as we start to, to tie up loose ends in the story. Finally, the end of the story. Or if you want to get fancy about it, the resolution. Or even fancier, the denim on. So, we're told that you're a trainee. We're told that this is a strategic operations simulator that you're experiencing. So, it's clear to me what the story is within this game is. So, my name is Kobayashi Maru. I gave up a lucrative career in competitive eating when I found out that there was a planet where they hold competitive eating competitions only instead of eating hot dogs they eat competitive eaters from other planets. We miss you Dave! So, I retired from that and I joined Starfleet because evidently that's what people in the future do. Seriously, in the 23rd century there's either competitive eaters or Starfleet cadets There's not a whole lot else Also, I want to meet girls I mean, I already have a girlfriend, of course In Canada Space Canada But, anyway My mom was a Starfleet captain My grandfather was a Starfleet captain His mom was a Starfleet captain My great-great-grandfather Well, he was a plumber, actually Because there wasn't a Starfleet then We still thought Mars Didn't even have water Silly humans But here I am now, on the bridge of a starship, getting ready to take my first command. There's a lot of blinking lights here that don't really seem to do anything. And if the ship moves even a little, like to go left or something, everyone throws themselves around the room like the Titanic is sinking. Chill, space people. I think I got this. So, the rising action. Simulation has begun. I'm proving my worth as a starship captain. Only, see, it turns out you gotta know a lot of stuff to command a starship. Like, it's bad if you reach for the radio and hit the phasers instead. Also, did you guys know that starships have a whole bunch of photon torpedoes? Me neither. I do think, though, that the people of Gomega 4 overreacted a little. How many ancient temples does one planet really need? Seriously. But once I figured out the weapon system, this whole getting nomad thing got a lot easier. I managed to pick off a few Klingon warbirds. Things were going pretty good. I was feeling pretty good. I was definitely no mad. <laughs> anyway, I was kicking butt and taking no prisoners. But then the climax happened. The Klingons called in reinforcements. Then these weird little yellow antimatter saucers showed up. "Yo, quit sucking all the warp energy, dudes!" I shouted it real loud at the view screen. Spock tried to tell me they couldn't hear me, so I told him to shut up. But he didn't hear me. Because that's when the meteor showers started, rocking the ship, and he was busy throwing himself around the bridge. I just barfed. A lot. Falling action. Things start to slow down. We'd make it through the asteroids. We'd fight off the Klingons. And by this point, I'd pretty much forgotten about Nomad. All of a sudden, there it was. God darn it. I locked on phasers except... Oh, space crap! Nomad mined the whole region. Where am I gonna go? What am I gonna do? Well, here's what I did. I scrambled for the resolution. That's what I did. I ran over to the con, grabbed the strategic operations cartridge out of the bridge game console, and yanked it out. Game over, man. Nomad is dead. I'm alive. That's how you beat the no-win scenario. They're totally gonna name that maneuver after me, I bet. The Ted Maneuver. That's my name. Kobayashi Ted Maru. Sadly, it's, my name isn't Captain Maru now. Starfleet Academy expelled me. So that's my story, and I've got a lot of other customers, so make up your mind. Do you want space fries with that space burger or not? And that's our show. But before we go, we're going to miss this guy, but Bill Kendrick from the XCGS podcast beamed up from the planet Risa to tell us all about the Atari party happening in like six days from this podcast episode's debut. Take it away, Bill. Just one more time. Hey, Bill. It's Bill Kendrick from the XCGS Cart by Cart podcast. I want to let you and your listeners know that I'm hosting my 8th annual Atari party this summer out here in Davis, California. That's near Sacramento and not far from the San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley. It's free and will undoubtedly have at least one Atari 2600 set up. It's a one-day event on Saturday, July 30th. Visit newbreedsoftware.com slash atariparty for more info. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. I'm really going to miss that guy. <sighs> anyway, life goes on. Thanks also to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs Take a Chance, Rougher Mat, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iTunes. Do please leave a review Make the good vibes plot a course to my heart. Warp Factor 10. Show notes are available at ataribytes.libson.com. You can like the Atari Bytes page on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. A-T-A-R-I-B-Y-T-E-S. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Support the show financially on our Patreon page. And by buying cool Atari Bytes stuff at Zazzle.com. And also, if you like Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the whole Peanuts gang, check out my other podcast, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, next week on Atari Bytes. Atlantis. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.